the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Word of God contains some hard words. And if you're not occasionally getting spurred and feeling the discomfort, then the preacher is not really doing his God-given duty. When we come to church, we should occasionally get spurred towards love and good deeds. But the other thing that should always take place is being encouraged. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, we are in 1 Corinthians today, chapter 8, looking at liberty's limits. And this is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Welcome to our program. Join us today as Pastor Leighton reminds us of our calling in Christ, the liberty we experience, and the limits that we should have upon it. Here's Pastor Layton with today's study verse by verse. The Bible clearly indicates that some behaviors are right or wrong, black or white, and that believers have an either-or choice to do what is right or what is wrong. The Bible defines some activities as being right, uh, activities such as honoring your parents, loving your wife, respecting your husband, loving your neighbor, being generous, training up children to know and love God, and so forth. The Bible also defines some behavior as being wrong or sinful or evil. In addition to the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, steal, kill, commit adultery, covet, and so forth, there are other lists found throughout the Old and New Testament describing things that believers should not do. One such list is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It reads, Do you not realize that those who do wrong, who do what? Who do wrong, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards, or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So the Bible clearly teaches that this kind of behavior, these kind of activities are wrong. So the Bible teaches some activities are right, other activities are wrong. Sometimes the Bible shows us that The good and godly choice is a narrow path between two extremes. The agenda, often called liberalism or license, attempts to turn the grace of God into a license to continue in sin. On the other hand, the agenda, often referred to as legalism, is one in which the word of God is used as a means of intimidating, manipulating, and controlling others. I heard a number of people reflecting after last week's sermon saying that they had previously attended legalistic churches and they were so glad that they had found Church of the Highlands, a place where sin is called sin, but people don't have to be artificial to be loved, accepted, and respected. So what does a church that practices uh, liberty look like? Well, we concluded last week's message from a, with a passage from Hebrews chapter 10. It reads, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so the passage talks about what should take place when believers meet together. First, 
we should spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, the word spur is an interesting choice of words. My grandpa grew up in the days before Model T's, uh, the days before automobiles. He used to tell me stories about how he courted grandma in a horse-drawn surrey. And uh, what he liked about the horse-drawn surrey was when he was taking grandma home, the horse didn't need any help finding the way. Now that I'm older, I figured out what he was talking about. Well, he loved horses, and he told me about horses. And one of the things I learned about from Grandpa was spurs. Spurs are attached to the heels of the rider, and they usually consist of a, spar- a sharp object. And uh, that rider would use that sharp object to poke the, ho- the horse. And the discomfort caused by the spur motivated the horse to move. Now, the Apostle Paul says that when we gather together as believers, we should occasionally get spurred. People have a tendency to harden their heart against change, and so there should be some sharp words that cause discomfort and motivate us to change. I heard one pastor say, soft words produces hard hearts, and hard words produce soft hearts. The Word of God contains some hard words, and if you're not occasionally getting spurred and feeling the discomfort, then the preacher is not really doing his God-given duty. When we come to church, we should occasionally get spurred towards love and good deeds. But the other thing that should always take place is being encouraged. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So a Christian church should be a place where we're both challenged and encouraged. It should be a place where we are ministered to and minister to others. And we're going to talk more about how we can minister to others as we study future chapters of 1 Corinthians. Now, between the two extremes of liberalism and legalism is the narrow path of liberty. Liberty in Christ, or freedom in Christ. Christian liberty is a central theme of the New Testament. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Paul wrote, where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. He also wrote, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so, yet our freedom must never be used as a license for sin. The Apostle Peter wrote, live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. You see, Christ didn't set us free to sin. He set us free from sin, from sin's control and from sin's devastation. Now, although we have liberty in Christ, our liberty is constrained by certain biblical principles. Some of those principles are provided for us here in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. And though he is addressing a specific problem or challenge within the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul here provides us principles that can help us and guide us in navigating matters that are not specifically addressed in Scripture. The chapter begins with the words, Now, about food sacrificed to idols. Most of you probably don't have a problem with food sacrificed to idols. Most American believers don't have this as one of the issues they deal with. But every generation of believers has issues to wrestle with in terms of of what's right and wrong that are not clearly defined in the Scriptures. There are some things that just aren't mentioned in the Bibles. Uh, One of those things is theaters. The Bible doesn't say it's right to go to a theater. And it doesn't say it's wrong to go to a theater. Now, when my dad was growing up, 
going to the theaters was considered evil. It was wrong. It was sinful. And preachers would tell their congregations that if you're sitting in a theater and Jesus comes back, you're going to miss the rapture. (laughs) And so the believers would go to the theater and they'd sit near an exit so they could jump up and get out if the rapture happened. (laughs) Now, Dad was raised to believe that until he went to the theater and saw the great classic movie, Ben-Hur. If you've never seen that movie, it's worth the hours of sitting down and enjoying it. It's a masterpiece, a a great classic, Ben-Hur. That movie so ministered to him that he went back night after night, probably sitting near a door. um, And he came away inspired every time with a fresh message, a fresh sermon. Now, when I was young, it was wrong to shop on Sundays. And I was working down at uh, Sears Tanferan in the automotive section at the time. I remember when it opened for the first time on Sundays, the shop section. It only opened from 2 to 5, and in order to get employees to come out on Sunday, they paid time and a half. They don't do that anymore. And, uh, you know, those are some of the rules that we had. I I never understood why it was considered wrong for a person to go buy food at the grocery store on Sundays, but it was okay to go buy food at a restaurant on Sundays. That just never made any sense to me. But these are the kind of debates that people and generations have from time to time. There have been uh, other debates in American churches, uh, such as women wearing makeup, uh, attending concerts, going to movies, dancing, drinking alcohol or coffee, uh, tattoos, piercing, playing golf on Sundays, and so forth. So every generation has had issues, to questions about what's right and wrong, where Scripture is silent. These activities are neither black nor white, but gray. And, and for those who can only think in terms of black and white, this is a real challenge for them. Because they want the preacher to just tell them what they should or shouldn't do, and the preacher can not tell them out of Scripture because the Scripture is silent in the matter. So here the Apostle Paul provides us principles to use in determining what's right and wrong in these matters, not specifically uh, described to us in Scripture. Now, about food, sacrificed idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In the passage, Paul is answering questions uh, that he has received in a letter from the uh, church at Corinth. And evidently, the question was asked, is it okay to eat meat offered to idols? The letter had evidently offered a preliminary conclusion that it was okay to eat such meat and had several supporting arguments. And so Paul addresses each of these supporting arguments. One is found in verse 1, another argument in verse 4, another argument in verse 8. And he says he, he agrees with the validity of the argument itself. However, then he goes on to describe why it doesn't apply in this case. Now, this first argument found in verse number one uh, involves knowledge. Paul indicates that knowledge is good, but in and of itself, it is not enough. It's not good enough unless it's tempered in love. In fact, knowledge without love leads to arrogance. And arrogance was one of the chief characteristics of the believers in Corinth. The Apostle Paul describes them as puffed up no less than a half a dozen times or so. And when I think of that phrasing puffed up, I think of the pufferfish. You know? Yeah. The pufferfish artificially inflates itself to look more menacing and powerful than it really is. And people who are impressed with their own knowledge go around being artificially puffed up, inflated in their egos, thinking that they're more menacing and powerful than they really are. Verse 2, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. You know, one of the first things we should learn as we learn is we don't really know everything. Almost every day as I walk in, my dad asks me the question, what do you know, son? To which I reply, less than I did yesterday, dad. (laughs) 
Now, part of that has to do with the fact that I'm over 50 and the brain leaks. <coughs> uh, yesterday, I think it was, or a couple of days ago, I was walking from the bedroom to the kitchen to ask my daughter something. When I got to the kitchen, somewhere along the way, I had lost what it was that I was going to ask her about. And so when I got there, she looked at me expectantly. I told her I was a little embarrassed. I forgot what I came for. She said, that's all right, Dad. I knew what it was. Oh, yeah. You wanted to give me money. <laughs> I haven't lost my mind that much yet. <laughs> if someone thinks they know everything, they really don't know a thing yet. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. Well, Pastor Leighton Sheely has us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 today, looking at liberty's limits, knowing where we can and can't go, and not because of legalism or license, but because of love. Questions about today's program are more than welcome at highlands.us. Visit us online again at highlands.us. It's there that you can reach out to us and find out more about Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno, study verse by verse, and our pastor, Leighton Sheely. Again, highlands.us. Tomorrow, more on Liberty's Limits. Join us then for study verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.